Well, welcome you to uh, Awaken Church uh, once again. My name is uh, John. I get to be one of the, uh, the elder pastors here, and I get to deliver the word to you all this morning. So I'm excited. And I want to, uh, you know, just take some time, congratulate you guys. You guys, came, you guys came to church on Memorial Day weekend Sunday. You guys really love the Lord, right? You do, you know, all the people that aren't here. No, uh, just joking. Joking for them. But, uh, yeah, we're in the third week, third week of our Picture Perfect family series. And Pastor Ryan did a great job kicking off the, the first two weeks uh, of this, of this uh, series. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, I'm up here, and I know I'm only, I'm only 33, I own, my oldest is only eight years old, so I only have eight years of wisdom, like, to give to you guys. So some, you know, some of you guys out there, you have way more wisdom than I do. And actually, show of hands, how many parents do we have in the room? Parents, we have in the, look around, all right, yeah, look at you guys, man, so many parents. Did I see, wait, what's going on over there? I, I hope not. Um, yeah, what are you doing? Um, but no, so we're not... We don't expect anyone here to have the, the perfect family. I certainly do not. Um, I actually thought of showing pictures, just like the, the picture frame of our kids, like crying as we're trying to force them to, uh, to pose for that, you know, that perfect moment. But that's not the point of this. That's not the point of the series at all, right? We're leaning into, we're leaning into the Word of God because we know we know that although we are not, you know, the perfect parents, we know that God is, is a perfect Heavenly Father. And so as we lean into Him, as we get a biblical view of what God intended the, the family to be, we know that we can learn. We know that we can grow, and we're in this process of learning and, and growing. And so uh, Pastor Ryan, he, he, he started this, this thread that I want to pick up on this morning, kind of looking at um, the family in, in two different ways, the, the factory, the factory version of the family where you know, it's very self-centered, it's all focused on, you know, what you can produce, what you can get out of life, and we want to move away from that into, you know, that farm version, the farm mentality where it's a multi-generational uh, approach, there's, you know, this teamwork, it's about process and patience, and so I want to pick up on that on that thread this morning. So I'm going to try to, try to uh, use the farm as uh, an illustration that we continue to kind of to look at and, and help us as we, uh, as we try to be the family that God you know, created us to be. And if, you know, if, if, you're not, if you're not a parent yet, or you know, maybe if you're a grandparent, don't worry, this message is, is still for you, right? There's, there's preparation. Uh, I think this message is just general uh, growing in our walk with the Lord. But, you know, as we, as we start this, this sermon, um, I want to kind of look at an illustration that'll maybe lay the, lay the groundwork. And, you know, think about, think about a farm and think about a farmer looking out, looking out at, his, at his crops. You know, maybe he's got corn or he's got, he's got cotton or soybeans, whatever it is. Pick your favorite vegetable. And it is just, man, it it is more than knee-high by the 4th of July. That's what we say in the North. Here, that, that doesn't apply at all. But it's just growing, right? It's like, man, you look out at the fields, and they're just fertile. You say, wow, man, look at The farmer looks out. He's so, so proud. And then, he, you know, he hears the noise 
of his animals and he looks over and there's sheep and there's pigs and there's cows and they're fat and they're healthy and you know they're going to be delicious, right? And he looks out with, he looks out with, with pride and he's like, wow, look what I've grown. This is so impressive. Look what I've grown. And you stop for a second. Does the farmer really have the power like, to grow things? Does it, like, can he really hold a seed in his hand and just say, all right, grow, like grow, right? No. Or does he hold a baby cat, like cow and say, all right, I'm going to grow you and, like, just by his own will? No, right? There's like God has created this world with so much potential to grow. And, and, and so the farmer, he can't, he can't supernaturally or, or magically just grow an animal. He doesn't have control over that. But he does have control over something that's really important and, and plays into growth, and that's the environment. See, he can, he can choose to water his crops or not. And, 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 he, and he, can, he can choose to feed his animals, right, <laughs> or not. And so while he doesn't have, you know, this magic control over photosynthesis, he, he can control the environment. He can till the soil. He can plant the seeds, make sure they're watered in the right position to, you know, receive the sunlight. He can make sure his animals have fresh water, good feed. You know, you get the idea, right? And... And hopefully, you see where I'm going with this. The same, the same is true for any person that you're trying to influence. Um, I, I, love, I love this quote by Michelle Anthony in Spiritual Parenting. She says, faith is supernatural. I am not capable of producing it in another person. You, you can't, right? And so, you know, the idea is you can't control some, you can't control someone else's behavior. For parents, you know, you know you can't control your kid's behavior half the time, right? But you can, you, you can control their environment, especially when they're young. And, and so it's, it's, really hard, <laughs> it's really hard to control ourselves, um, let, another, let alone another person's behavior. However, the environment you create and are surrounded by, it's powerful, and I believe it can help produce the right kind of growth. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning, the environment. The environment that we were looking to create and so that um, we try to produce a growth of a love for the Lord in our families' lives and in the people around us that we're trying to influence. And so before we read the Word of God, I want to encourage you guys to join me in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we, we, thank you, um, we thank you for this morning. And that we can, we can come to you with our, uh, with our flaws, with our failures. And we can, just like we, we sang, we can give it all to you. Trusting that you can make something beautiful out of our mess. And uh, Lord, I pray that that's what this morning would, would be. That we would look through our own flaws and our own failures. And we would see your perfect will working out itself in our lives, in our families, and our friends, through this church, Lord. We, we give it to you, and we, we trust you. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.
encourage you guys to open your Bibles up to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, fifth book of the Bible. Uh, we're going to read verses 4 through uh, 9. And so uh, we'll read those verses and we'll kind of break it down, talk about it a little bit, one or two verses at a time. And so I'm going uh, to read starting in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So that first, that first verse, Hear, O Israel, Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That should sound pretty familiar to some of us if we've been in church for a little while. If, if, it, you know, if it's not, that's okay. Um, Jesus reinforced this, this verse as the, the greatest commandment, right? And then he said the seconds like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but this verse has uh, incredible significance in the, the Jewish faith. So I want to lay just a little bit of groundwork for us. Uh, this is called the Shema. And for thousands of years, um, thousands of years, Jewish people have prayed this prayer in the morning, um, you know, right as they wake up and as they go to bed at night. And so it's incredible significance. And in all honesty, we could probably spend an entire morning just on this verse. There's lots of depth here, but I'm not going to do that. Um, and so I want to just kind of sum it up really quickly. Why is this such a significant verse? Why are we looking at it this morning? What did it, you know, what does it mean? And so and at the time this was written, the, God was preparing his people uh, to enter the promised land. And so they, they had come out of slavery they had wandered in the wilderness for a whole generation, and they were getting ready, ready to enter, um, enter the promised land. And so they were also coming out of a culture that was, that was steeped in, in polytheism, and they were, also, they were also coming out of slavery. And so God was laying this, you know, this commandment or this, you know, this verse as like foundation. This is, you know, very, very foundational for his people as they entered the promised land. And so there's two sides there's two sides of this, this prayer uh, that I kind of want to focus on, and uh, it's, it's in, in listening, listening to God and, and loving God. And so you, you see this, the verse starts out with, hear, hear, O Israel, and then it transitioned, love, hear, listening, listening to God and, and loving God. And, and, then, and then it looks at, you know, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, your entire being. And so God is saying, your whole identity, all of who you are, should be about coming to know me and, and loving who I am with, with your whole being, everything. To listen to and to love God. The more, you, the more you get to know God, the more you listen to him, the more you love him, the more you love him, the more you listen to him, you know, on repeat, right? Just big circle, round and around. And so that was really foundational to set, you know, the people of Israel, their identity as they entered into this, this promise. All right, you get the picture. That's the, the simple, simple explanation of this, of this prayer. Um, 
And so I want to I ask, you know, or make a statement. Make a, a simple, simple statement. The best, thing, the best thing you can do for creating an environment for your, your kids, or just for your life in general, right, if you don't have kids, <laughs> is to, de- to develop and cultivate a relationship with Jesus. Simple. Right? And, and so, you know, as we relate back to the, the, uh, the farming analogy, the question, what, what kind of soil are you? What kind, of, what kind of soil are you? Um, I, don't, I don't know how much we can expect people that we're, we're influencing to grow in a love and relationship, desire to know Jesus, if that's not on the forefront of our hearts and our minds, right? Kids know who you really are. You're with them all the time. That's the scary part. Um, and I want to be honest. One of the first things, one of the first things as we had Adeline um, who's now just a little over eight. First things I noticed about myself as a new parent is that, man, I'm selfish. Like, we, we welcome this new human into our lives, and now suddenly I'm responsible for keeping this little person alive. And sometimes I didn't want to do the things I was responsible for. Right? Can you guys relate to this? I'm not an alien here. Like, I don't want to change the diaper, right? I don't want to wake up in the middle of the morning, like in the middle of the night. Like, I'll let Carrie do that. No. Um, but, you know, this is all, you know, all encompassing, like, wow, I got to do all of this. And, you know, and I think that's what happens when, when, you're, when you have to love someone other than yourself is you realize, wow, this takes, some, this takes some work. This is tough. And what that does is God reveals parts of our hearts and our lives that aren't perfect. And we know we have those things. I, I, I quickly realized, man, I need to be more patient. I have to be more kind. I have to be more gentle. And you, like, you go down the list of the fruits of the Spirit. God, i got to do all these things. I've fallen short, right? And three kids later, I still fall short. It is the challenge of trying to love other people in, in a lot of ways has pushed me more towards like just crying out to God. I'm like, all right, Lord, I need your help in this. And, and you know, that's, I think, why Jesus said the second greatest commandment is loving your neighbor as yourself. Because when we commit to loving others, whether it's, you know, our kids or anyone else, God uses that relationship to grow and to mold us into his image. That's why our love, our commitment to him is so important. Because we really can't love other people well if we don't, if we don't love God. And so, you know, the question again, what kind of soil, what kind of soil are you? You are... You're the soil that your kids' lives are, are planted into. Or, you know, if you don't have kids, one day they will be. Seed can't grow on pavement. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe it's at this point, some of y'all feel like, man, I'm not doing a great job here. And I want to remind you uh, who this, this was written to people that were coming out of slavery. So their entire identity was being, it was being shaped still. 
So God, God knew they didn't have the identity in them yet. And, and so these people, they had no control over their environment, right? And so I don't, you know, I don't know where you're coming from or you know, what your habits look like right now, but God's, God's committed to you. He's committed himself fully to you on the cross. And he's committed to producing change in your heart and in your life. And maybe, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for you to come out of some areas of of sin and some areas of, of, you know, quote unquote slavery that you've been committing yourself to and that have been defining you and your identity more than God has. And that's okay. That's what, that's what these moments and this, this morning when we come around the word of God and, and we look into it, that's what, that's what the word of God's supposed to do. It's supposed to shape our hearts. It's supposed to, you know, convict us in certain areas. I'm convicted all the time, right? Um, and so just, you know, use this, use this moment, examine. Where, where am I cultivating a love and obedience for God? Um, all right, we're going to continue to work down this verse. Um, next part of this verse, it says, These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the, along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them around you, right? This is all-encompassing. This is everything. And so um, I'm not great with points, but here's my second point if you're writing them down. If you're not, um, farmers, I don't think they really take vacations. Like in, in the heart of like farming, like they can't, right? Farmers, they don't, they don't really take vacations. Any farmers out there? I don't know. You can tell me I'm wrong after service. Don't do it right now. Um, but there's this all-encompassing idea. This is your life. This is everything. Everything. This is your, this is your life. And so uh, that, that phrase, impress them. It means to teach diligently. It has the idea, the imagery of taking a sword and sharpening it over and over and over and over again until it's ready for battle. And so, you know, the point here, like the, the little things, little things we do every single day are, are actually really important. And we all have those things that, man, they can be very mundane. And parents with kids, you know this. There are, there are daily tasks that are small but are important. You know, sometimes it's just like, driving to and from the grocery school or grocery school the grocery store or school or or you know waking up in the morning and so it, things that need to be done every day on a farm are tedious right you milk the cows same time every day change the water fresh feed weed the garden they're tedious but they're really really important for creating that environment that produces growth and so, you know, the question that we need to consider um, when looking at our environment, what are the small things, the little, the daily things that we're doing every single day to create an environment that focuses on Jesus? And hopefully, hopefully this is practical. And here's my hope, a um, little pause button before I, you know, ask some of these 
or give you some of these ideas. Here's my pause button. I just hope that you take maybe one thing from this, this message. Like, just take one, like, what is one thing that the Lord is impressing on your heart? You say, okay, maybe I need to change this area, right? That's easy. One or two things. That's, that's all. Um, but he, what are the small things you're doing every day? Maybe it's, maybe it's starting your day as a family, just in, in prayer. Maybe it's ending it that way. Maybe it's focusing on your conversations that you're having in the car or, or at the dinner table. You try, you try to bring you know, Jesus into those conversations or, or you, try to, you try to get to the, the heart of, of where your family's at. Maybe it's reading the Bible together or having a weekly family devotional. And as, as I was preparing for this, this message, you know, I read some books and uh, I listened to some books as well. And I was like, man, that is one area that we don't do right now as a family. We don't have a, we don't have a, a time that we set aside to actually like have a devotional together as a family, read the Bible together. Like we could do that. Like we could, we could pick one day and do, and do that. And so that's, that's my thing. We don't, we don't do that right now. And I think it would, I think it would be big for, for all of us. And, and so what are, what are small little things that you could do to, to create an environment that focuses on Jesus? Um, and this verse also says, talk about, talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you, when you get up. Uh, to me, you know, this, this kind of reminds me of like the, the schedule that you're keeping. The, the schedule that you're keeping. Um, and, and here it says, you know, this is all encompassing. Everything is an opportunity, you know, to serve the Lord. And so here's the question I have to ask. And this is going to sound like a question that, you know, you ask in church. Um, but does, does Jesus define your schedule? Or do your own selfish desires and ambitions define it? Does Jesus define your schedule? Or do your selfish ambitions? And I know schedules, <laughs> schedules in America, right, they're crazy. You have work, school, sports, family events. It's really easy to fill our lives and our schedules up with just stuff. And at the end of the week, you're like, what did we even, man, I couldn't even keep up. What did we do this week? And so as I mentioned, like farming, like the farm determines the schedule, right? And so Jesus should determine our, our schedule. And, and you can take this really literally. And maybe, maybe that's what the Lord's calling you to do. Monday night, life group. Tuesday night, TBCH. Wednesday night, family devotional, right? You just, pff, everything, all right, everything else goes off the calendar. We're going to revolve it around church. And maybe that would be good. Maybe that would be a really, a really cool thing. But again, it's easy to fill your schedule up with just stuff, activity, just doing and going. And maybe, like I said, maybe that's what God is asking you to do. However, I think there's also the Christian temptation that we have to just have these Christian activities that don't actually change our hearts. They don't actually change our hearts into loving Jesus and loving others more and looking more like him. And, and this verse, it actually touches on this. Um, it, it says, you should tie, tie them symbols around your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Um, Looking out, I don't see anybody doing that this morning. Uh, 
And but, the, you know, if you go back, there's actually, this is, a, you know, J- Jewish practice. And so these little boxes um, called ph- phylacteries. And they're boxes, you could strap them to your, you know, to your arms. You could tie them around your head. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Um, and, and, and so you could, you could do this in a very zealous way, and it's actually kind of cool if you think about it, of like you're carrying the laws of God with you wherever you go. That's like, it's a cool thing to do. And, and there's, you know, still obviously people today that, that do this, and they, they literally carry the laws of God with them wherever, you, wherever they go. And you could, you could do this, you could carry the Bible with you um, wherever you go. However, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 5, that there was, there was a sort of hypocrisy and pride that the religious leaders would carry with them as they had this you know, practice of ultra-devotion of taking this scripture literally, but not letting the word of God actually into their, their hearts and changing who they were. And he said, he said that, look at them. They make their phylacteries wide. That's a, that's a way of like, hey, look at They're just trying to show off. Look at how religious I am. My schedule is filled with just church stuff, right? Like that's a way you could say it as well. And, you know, this, so I think this verse, it's not, it's not meant to change necessarily our appearance, but it's meant to change our hearts. Where's your heart at? Do we really allow Jesus to have control of everything that's in our lives, including our schedule? simple things that we spend our time on. And so, you know, again, let's consider the question. Is Jesus defining everything we're doing? Is Jesus defining everything we're doing as a family? Does this activity serve the purpose of growing us as disciples of Jesus? Is it putting the focus on loving God and others or our own selfish desires? And you can take this, you know, those questions, and you can look at any part of your life. And so um, our girls, they started playing soccer last year. So I'm going to use that example. All right? Uh, Great choice. Amen. I knew that I would uh, be preaching to Gideon here. Is soccer inherently evil? No. Right? Amen. It can be a wonderful opportunity. You know, this activity can be a wonderful opportunity to get out of your church bubble, to take the gospel with you to people that might never step foot in a church. However, an activity like a sport, like soccer, can also divulge itself into a God and take the place of your complete devotion or your kid's complete devotion. And maybe you live vicariously through them. And there's, of course, there's no one here that does that, right? We don't do those things. I think we know someone on Facebook that does. I don't think it's a complicated, you know, practice to do. You get the idea. We need to have times. We need to have these times when we look at our lives, we examine our everyday lives and how we spend our time and present it to God. And we ask the question, what needs to change? Like if we're not pausing throughout the, the rhythms and seasons of life and asking God, oh, great Lord, you have control over my schedule then I think, I think we're really not taking seriously the kind of environment that we're creating to, to grow and walk with Jesus. What needs to change? 
And so maybe some of us need to do that this morning or we need to do that um, throughout this week and, and we listen to God's voice. We look for his wisdom and we rearrange our lives so that they're more focused on Jesus. I think that would be a really powerful activity to do as you know, a family or even by yourself. Just look at, man, take your checkbook out. Nobody uses a checkbook anymore. Look at your bank statement online. Um, maybe you use a checkbook. I don't want to offend anyone here. My mom does, actually, so she's going to listen to this later. Um, but no, right? You look at what you're spending your money on. You look at how you're spending your time. You, and you say, all right, Lord, is this, is this good for me? Does God really have control over our comings and our goings, our lying down and our, our wakings? That's the kind of devotion that he's asking for. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll finish up here. Um, I'm almost done. The last, last line of this verse says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so it's you know, similar to the, the tying them around your arms and your head. I think this physical idea of putting the commandments of God um, like around your house where you spend most of your time. And so around the, the threshold of your house, um, I don't know how many of you guys, we have this in our kitchen. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? <laughs> like that, right, right where, we, uh, where we eat. Um, but looking, the idea of looking at your house as the center of your, of your life, where you spend your time, and for that to be a place that God has complete control over. You know, it's stringing along this thread that it all belongs to God. This is all encompassing. And so in the Jewish world, you know, the threshold represents the, the presence of God. And so you think about, you know, uh, the Passover where they put the blood, the blood right? They put it over the door, fra door frames, over the, uh, the threshold. And that's, that's a really cool thing to think about. Like, man, my, my house is the center of my life. I want, I want this to be a safe place. I want, I want God's presence to just be, you know, here. I want there to be focused on God. I want us to have, you know, times where we can pray together. All those things. It's a really, really cool, really cool idea. Um, but we learn, we learn in, by reading the Bible, and even Jesus' own words, acknowledge um, that there's an enemy to that desire of wanting a safe place, right? Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so, um, my, last, my last point, um, the band can come on up uh, this time. My last point, are you, guarding, are you guarding what you're growing? Are you guarding what you're growing? And I have, a, I have an example, I have an illustration um, that I would love to, love to share and, uh, and so I don't know how many of you know this, but when, uh, when Carrie was growing up, she loved, she loved pigs. <laughs> she, she, raised, uh, she raised pigs, and uh, Carrie's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, she raised pigs from, maybe from the time she was like eight or nine until the time she graduated high school. Um, as, we were, as we were dating, like 15 or 16, it was like one of the uh, first things we did together. She's like, hey, you can come help me show my pigs. I was like, all right, like, that's cool. And I uh, went to the 4-H fair, and we did that. So she'd get, she'd get four to eight pigs every spring. And, uh, 
and show them at the fair, sell them off at the end of the summer. She loved them, loved them growing up. And so when we were engaged, uh, we had a conversation. We're like, hey, it'd be really cool if we got a pet pig once we got married. And it was at the time, we got married in uh, 2011, so it was at the time when like the teacup pig was like the fad um, to, to have. And so uh, six months after we got married, we got a pig, truffles. We got a little truffles. And truffles started out very small, as pigs do. She's like maybe like eight pounds, but she grew into a beast. And I, I think I have, oh yeah, there she is. Look at her. There's beautiful truffles. Truffles on the left, uh, Carrie on the right. Oh gosh, Carrie's not here. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> So anyways, she, troubles grew, as you can tell. And this is actually like, uh, this is when, so this is like before, this is maybe like th- three or four phases into her growth, um, where eventually we had this crab apple tree in our backyard, and she would just sit underneath the tree and just wait for the apples to fall and just eat them all. So she grew like 150 pounds. It's just a beast. So anyways... Uh, we lived in Michigan. We had this fenced-in backyard. It was really nice, and we're like, hey, this would be great. We have a, a perfect opportunity to plant a garden. This is awesome. So we, you know, we spent a lot of work tilling the ground, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to do with the garden, uh, weeding it, and a ton of vegetables, lettuce, cucumbers, tomatoes, you know, all of it. But some of you know where this is going. We have a pig. <laughs> And so Truffles viewed this garden as, hey, this is all-you-can-eat buffet. We're going to go to town on this thing. And so, you know, frequently, you know, we let Truffles out. And then within a matter of seconds, Truffles, get out of the garden, you know, running over, chasing. Um, I don't know what we were thinking. We should have built a fence first, right? And shows you our, uh, how far we've come. But so we had to build a fence. We had to create safety for our garden to grow. And so the point of the story, and I hope, you know, I think it's pretty clear. Same, it's true about our house, right? We, we, have, to, we have to guard, we have to guard it. We have to, we have to protect it. We know there's an enemy. We know there are dangers. And so, you know, back to our example of a, a farmer, it's really ignorant or arrogant or lazy of a farmer to look out at his, you know, chickens, and be like, eh, we'll be fine. They're strong. They're strong birds. We don't need to let them in at nighttime. Coyotes, ah, they can fend for themselves, right? To look out and think there's no danger. Nothing's going to happen. And I think that's, you know, a lot of us, you know, who, when you get this baby so fresh, like, oh, you're never going to do anything wrong, right? How could you, right? But we know, we know there's dangers, and so, and, and this, you know, this is the time where I could get really specific. We could go all different directions. And there, you could talk about the dangers of music or screen time or making sure you have the right friends or public school, right? Technology, boycotting, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I think, I think that's a responsibility that maybe we all have to define in seeking God and loving Him and listening to Him. 
And then as we seek our, you know, our kids or the people we're trying to influence and say, okay, what's in their hearts, what's in their minds? And looking at whether or not, you know, that environment that we're creating is, is safe or not. And trying to cultivate the presence of God or is it stealing and killing and destroying their identity? And so, you know, again, the question, are you guarding what you're growing? And, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't want to downplay any of those dangers that I, <laughs> I mentioned um, you know, we as a church, we want, we want to give you resources, and we're, we're having that family groups over the summer where I'm sure we're going to, you know, be able to dive into a lot of those different resources that we have. But um, I think it's our, our responsibility, and for, you know, parents out there to, to really seek God in this. Say, okay, what do, where do I need to pull back? You know, I know, I know all their friends are doing this, but I got to pull back. Um, and, you know, it's at this, it's at this time... Um, I didn't have this in my notes either, but I know, I know that this, this conversation can also produce, you know, this sense of, of guilt if you have kids that aren't serving the Lord, right? And that is not my intention at all. And it brings, you know, brings me back to you know, a sermon that Pastor Ryan shared a few weeks ago about the prodigal, right? The, 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 the prodigal that, you know, we know... We know we can't control other people. And so, you know, for some of you out there, you've, you know, you, you feel like you know, you've, done, you've done everything. You've done all, all that you could, and uh, maybe it didn't work out the way you planned. And, and listen, I, I haven't been there, right, because I have an eight-year-old. <laughs> but I've walked through it with, with family members. And I, I've walked through that, that pain and that hurt, um, you know, with, with parents. And I want to I speak a word of encouragement. Um, your influence, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, right? It doesn't stop if they leave. Prayers are powerful. I have seen so many prodigals return. And I, man, it's amazing. It's amazing what, what God can do. It's amazing what God can do and, and how he can really turn those beauty into ashes, those graves into gardens. And I'm so glad you know, we sang that song this morning because I think it brings so much hope to this conversation. I know there's so many of you, your stories are out there where you ran away and God chased you down. And so it's in this where it's like, man, we're trying to create the environment. We're trying as hard as we can. But then we can rest in the fact that we have a heavenly father who's the perfect parent, who's the perfect God, and who can do so much more than we could in our best efforts. And so I want to wrap this, you know, wrap this sermon up. Again, I didn't have that plan, so if it came out weird, I'm sorry, but um, wrap it up. Um, what kind of things you need to do to cultivate your relationship with Jesus? Maybe what daily habits do you need to develop and bring into your family life? How do you need to reorder your schedule? And are you aware of the dangers? And how do you need to respond to them? Let's pray before we go back into a time of worship. You guys can stand with me. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you are um, you're a heavenly father and you take responsibility for us and all of our, uh, all of our stories that we we bring into trying to follow you, trying to love others well. And we know that we could never do it perfectly. 
So, Lord, I pray that we would lean into you, Lord. We lean into your grace, your mercy, your wisdom, your strength, your help, Lord. And you would make our paths clear and straight. Lord, I do pray for those who are far off, represented in this room. That even right now, Lord, their their hearts would just feel that, that tug to return to you. That the, the, the calluses on their hearts would just soften. And that, that they would take steps to return back to you, Lord. I pray for those, um, the parents that might be dealing with that, Lord, that you would encourage them. You'd take away any shame they're feeling. You'd give them grace, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this church family. Lord, that we're all, we're all coming together to worship you and to love you. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would help us. Help us uh, as a church family just to, to be the, the tangible hands and feet of you to, uh, to a lost and broken world. We love you, Lord. Praise your name. Amen.